All right, Rush is back. we got the final hour here. Travis Davidson joining us from Tulsa. I'm in studio today, 651-3439. Pierce is on the board. Hey, what's the update with baseball right now, Pierce? What do we got going? Kale started the game off well, no earned runs. I mean, he had the hit by bitch to start the game, but uh, they still hold a 4-1 lead going into the sixth inning. And in the sixth inning, it got a little crazy. Carson Atwood takes over on the bump, and he gets into a little pickle earlier. Runnies on first and second with two outs. And then there's a foul ball down the right field line over towards the wall. Jackson Nicholas slides in and slams into the wall. I don't know how he got up. He was on the ground for a while. He stayed in the game. Did he make the catch? He did not make the catch. Okay. It went right off the wall. It was one of those that it would have been insane if he caught right. it. Miraculous. So he stays in the game somehow. And then a single after that, that same at-bat single, the bases are juiced. Two outs, Carson Atwood gets the pop fly out of the jam. Sooners lead a 4-1 in the sixth inning. Nice. All right, going pretty well. Uh, man. Yeah, very well. Got to win the opening series. And uh, Cal Baptist, of course, uh, hits the leadoff uh, batter um, to put uh, – put somebody on first with uh, no outs. So uh, I love that. Keep it up. A lot of people think the season, uh, the first batter is going to tell you how the season goes. So you just hit the guy. That's awesome. I don't know what that means for the rest of the year, <laughs> but um, I guess to get the nerves out, instead of being worried about having your command, don't even worry about it. Just hit the first guy. And then you can settle in after that, I guess is the theory. Yeah, what, uh, how would you handle uh, hit by pitch? Are you a charge the mound type of guy? I think it all just depends. Um, if something's been a brewing, if something's been brewing, and I'm hit by pitch, I think I would I would maybe charge. But I, here's the thing, man: there is no way I would charge the mound if I'm in like a tight game and I feel like I can like help the team. There's no way I'm getting myself kicked out of the game. I just won't do it. Now I may try and do something after the game, you know, whenever like I'm no longer in threat of, uh, of getting tossed or something like that. But I'm, I don't know. I, I would like in football, I would talk some trash every now and then, but I, I'm just – there's no way I'm going to get a 15-yard penalty like by by talking or doing something after the whistle. Just n- absolutely not going to happen. You know, it's a, uh, a total for me is a do not do, would never even cross my mind, and would infuriate the hell out of me whenever other people would do it. I think I could see you pulling off the old uh, – 1974 Lenny Randall move. Are you familiar? No. So, in 1974, uh, Bob Johnson, who pitched for the Indians at the time, uh, threw behind Lenny Randall, who was the second baseman for the Rangers, threw behind him. So, obviously, okay, trouble brewing. So, Lenny Randall lays down a bunt down the first base line, and as Bob Johnson runs to pick up the ball – Lenny just absolutely blows him up. Nice. 
just uh, just just one step out of the base path blows him up and continues on to first and where he's you know tackled and a, and a big fight ensues i mean it's you know bench is clearing brawl dugouts clearing brawl but man you I, i'll have to i'll have to find the clip and send it to you or maybe maybe pierce can show it to you on the screen but it is Man, it's fantastic! It's one of the better baseball videos that's that exists. I I just happened to see one recently. I don't know why it was on Twitter, but um, Roger Clemens hit a guy, and, like drilled him in the ribs, and the dude was in a lot of pain and he was pissed. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> and he picked up the baseball and like walked, like. He was going towards face, but uh, for, towards first base, but he also like went a little bit towards the mound and threw the ball as hard as he could at Clemens, and Clemens just caught it and walked back to the mound like it was no big deal. It was it's pretty funny. Uh, he yeah. just he just caught it, no big deal. Was never worried about anything at all. Uh, just part of part of doing business. It's pretty good. I like that. That's that's funny. Yeah, it's uh, some of those man. I like throw- the one where the guy gets hit. And the first thing he does is like karate kicks the catcher who's still down um, you know, in his <laughs> right. stance, so he doesn't get caught from behind yeah. before he charges the mound. That was a hey great man, one. you gotta hey you, you gotta be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, it's like the old sidekick karate <laughs> kick was awesome. Oh man, well we've kind of been all over the place today. Um, I think one of the things in I loved the the media availability yesterday for a bunch of reasons, and I just like that in this era, this day and age, transfer portal. We all know that you know it's just there's so many new guys. Like one of the things that helps a fan base be excited and want to go see people play is when they know who the roster is, and yeah. like you mentioned it. 69% roster turnover since the Alamo Bowl. I We need to introduce a lot of these guys to the fans. Now, we, we talk about it every day, right? And a lot of our listeners are locked in and have, have followed the – the recruiting, the recruitment of a lot of these guys and, and have followed the portal closely. And it's something we talk about daily. But the vast majority of fans – are far more casual than that and a lot of times don't ever even hear a story or know who these guys are until you know they make a catch in you know the first game of the season and it's like who is this guy oh that he's a junior he's a transfer from wherever and you're kind of introduced to the guys on the fly so I think it's really good to get everyone there um, all your different outlets, TV, print, radio, and talk about a lot of these guys and share a lot of those stories so your fan base becomes more invested in in what this story is going to be in the fall of 23. Yeah, I mean, take it back. So, you know, I was able to do some NIL stuff with some of the offensive linemen, take them all out fishing uh, last year. And, you know, Jake Taylor hopped on air with us and told the story. Where'd you about go fishing? How- uh, Eufaula. What kind of fishing? Bass fishing, catfish? Uh, they were they were fishing bass that day. So, Did he, does anyone have any fishing skills? Uh, so you could tell a, a couple of the guys, uh, Ergen Bright, um, Rame, those guys had kind of 
fish before, but we split them up, and Jake Taylor, honestly, uh, he had never fished before, but he ended up, I believe, catching the most amount of fish. Uh, he's from Vegas. He said uh, he said they use a different kind of fish nets out there in, in Las Vegas. Uh, different but... kind of fish nets? You guys were fishing with nets? <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that's the only, uh, you know, the type of fish net he knows. But, no, we were, we were just trolling uh, down in uh, Eufaula, and, and they were doing a big – uh, they had a big sand bass tournament coming up, but we had him out there and he jumped on back at the marina. He jumped on uh, air with us because I was doing radio that day. And he told the story about how, um, you know, Lincoln Riley came and wanted to, you know, schedule an in home or something like that with him. And he declined. He said, no, you know, I'm not interested. I'm going to Oklahoma. Uh, and of course, that story alone. And he was very well-spoken and everything like that. But it, that story alone, now he had a bunch of Jake Taylor fans, you know, on the text line that, that, that probably only knew him from recruiting or anything like that. They put some personality with him. They put a voice with him, right? Yeah. So, so that kind of stuff is so cool. Um, so I, I still think, man, I love, I love the kind of get-to-know, especially in the NIL opportunity world, Teddy, these guys are trying to build their brands, and if you can go to a place like Oklahoma and your head coach, you know, opens up a media availability before you even play in the spring for you to kind of tell your story, I think that's big time. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, I think any of that stuff is good. Just, uh, just a little bit more of an introduction. I, we've we've heard some of the stories, and you know, from you people have talked to a coach or maybe talked to a kid and during his recruitment and you've heard a lot of secondhand stories, but it's never as good as, is letting someone tell the, their own story. Like, like the Peyton Bowen thing. I, we, we've talked about him daily for a calendar year or more in his recruitment. And, you know, he's able to tell the story about, not having the the right time on the paperwork that he sent to Oregon and and that's why he's here I that story is just it hasn't been told and and how long are what we're two months away from whenever all of that went down and that's the first time it gets out and and it's it's just so much better to hear it told from his point of view than kind of secondhand and here's what I heard happen you know what I'm saying right and 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 that was a recruitment Teddy to your point we knew the ins and out ofs better than anybody, right? Like, like we had reports, we had timelines, we had all this kind of stuff coming out. And then today, or yesterday, first time we ever hear, we didn't think we'd be getting new information about that recruitment. And now all of a sudden you get on, you know, Instagram or Twitter and everything, it's the talk of college football, you know? Like, you got Oregon fans and Texas fans talking about it and national guys talking about it because it was a big recruitment. It was a, it was a very... Um, you know, very dramatic recruitment. So, yeah, it, it, it's fascinating, that kind of stuff. And in this area, you kind of have, you know, guys are jumping on podcasts more than ever. You've like, like currently like Caden Helms and Nick Anderson are doing their their podcast. They were talking about burning up a, a, a piece of plastic on an electric stove because they didn't, they thought, oh, it's not burning red anymore, so it's got to be cool. So, you know, all, all kinds of stuff like the the Athletes more than ever, I guess what I'm trying to say, are more accessible. Think like, about that, though. Think about that. 
Okay. You got you got players that are um I guess using a stove for the first time. It yeah, an electric sa- it's one. It's an They're electric used to a gas stove, yeah. Right. It's an electric stove. Okay? And I'm sure everyone out there knows how an electric stove works. It has a burner. It's just like a big coil on there, right? And it heats up. It gets bright red. That's how you boil your water. That's how you fry your egg, okay? And then whenever you turn it off, obviously it's pretty quickly it loses the red glow. But they think that as soon as the glow is gone, (laughs) that it's back to room temperature. Can put plastic on it. Right? And you guys think I'm crazy whenever I say a freshman isn't ready to play doesn't have the experience, doesn't have the knowledge, and and I'm the crazy person, right? But you, Teddy, he had ten tackles against Nebraska. What are you talking about? Right. Well, um, you know, there's a there's a bit of common sense. You know, there's what's it called? There's a little bit of thermal momentum going on here. I understand that it cools off rather quickly, but. My goodness, at least exercise a little bit of caution, guys, that it doesn't go back to room temperature instantly. Let's go. Well, yeah, so Nick Anderson was like, I'm used to cooking on gas. When you see fire, it's hot. When you don't see fire, I'm like, okay, come on, man. Like. (laughs) Can we like that's that's uh yeah I I totally agree it may, maybe we yeah to prove what, his point he should put his hand on the metal grill right after he turns the the gas yeah, stove right off, after right? the gas off well and it was funny because they were trying to figure out the word colander because he's like well I'm trying to make spaghetti I'm trying to drain the noodles and I don't have a uh and they 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 they, they finally landed on the word drainer I don't have a yeah. drainer. Yeah, I'm like, I think colander is what you're after there, buddy. But yeah, it is but, a colander. But I'll tell you right now, I'm 40 years old. Not once have I ever used uh, the term colander. Uh, my, my background definitely does give me a bit more of a yeah. uh, tendency to know those kitchen tools and, mm-hmm. and use the kitchen tools. But but to the the overall point, we have more access to these kids than ever, right? Everybody's got a a podcast or a they'll go on Instagram live or anything like that. But those are for kind of the more of the diehard, you know, version of the fan. And to your point, you know, more of the casual style fans, not, you know, kind of your everyday fan, if you will, this kind of stuff is really, really big for them because press conferences, they're in, you know, they're putting these quotes in the Tulsa world. They're putting these quotes, you know, all over in, in SI Sooners and all this kind of stuff. They're putting it out there. So good stuff. Yep. All right, let's hit a quick timeout here and come back and get to some text messages. 651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions. Text line, we'll be back. Rush is back. Teddy Lehman here, Travis Davidson in Tulsa. Pierce hanging out with me here in studio. 651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions. Text line, let's hit some of those text messages right now. Strainer, correct. That's no, the term no. that There's, I use. There are two different things while they both – work a strainer typically is like a handle that's met like has a mesh type situation going on in it yeah and a, and a colander is more, more more like a metal bowl more typically a metal bowl that's got larger holes in it nerd that it no no so here, here's the thing two different two different things the colander 
is straining the water from the noodles, okay? So a colander is also a strainer. You follow me here? The, oh, I'm, I'm... the strainer is, is the verb. That's what's going on. So it works on anything. It can be, it can be a fork as you uh, pour the water and you're just trying to keep the, the pasta in there and you lose about 20% of the pasta down the drain. The fork is the strainer, right? Yes, it is being used to strain. Yeah. But colander is is really what they're the, – the, a strainer is typically different than a colander. But, you know, I guess you could just call – you probably call the knives in your household cutters or something like that because it's cutting, right? Uh, no. I kind of got you there, man. No, I don't I, – do, I don't use that for everything, but – it works in this sense because multiple, like we even have at our house, this little thing. It's got like these clamps, and you clamp it onto the 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 pot that you're using, and just pour the pot, and it stays right there and strains. It acts as almost like a a lid, kind of halfway on the side. So, like, there's multiple things that you can use to do it. They're all strainers. All right. All Calendar. right. All right. Hey, you know what? That's that, that's fine. I'll let you. Uh, you know, you, you're the award winner. You're the radio personality. No. You're of the, the chef, years. though. I'm, I'm gonna let you. Ha- I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let you have this one. You're the chef. You you've got this thing. You understand it properly, okay? <laughs> hey, fun, you know, function. You know, you've got it from a functional side that works. I think maybe you remember all the early, uh, like the early sound bites from Venables. The you got to strain. You know, we're wanting these guys to strain. Yeah. Wanting, you'd think maybe they didn't say strainer because they've got PTSD or something. <laughs> right. If they say the word strain, they just start sweating. Right. Or uh, they cramp up or something like that. Maybe that's the case because I guarantee you the word strain in their you know, vernacular has been used by Brent Venables more than anybody in their life. Yeah, probably right. Um, uh Let's see here. Is this why we must constantly be simplifying our defense? Uh, talking about Venables and, and some of the different stuff that he does. Here's the thing, man. I I think that simplifying the defense is like a catch-all phrase that it, it's just easier to say or easier to throw out there whenever we're seeing a bunch of mistakes being made. I mean, I, I guess, I don't know. I think you simplify, like, the better you get, the more you can simplify because you can win with athleticism and and you can just overwhelm people with talent, right? To me, that's whenever you simplify. Uh, if you're making a lot of mistakes and stuff like that, that means that coaches are trying to uh, – you don't have very much margin for error, so they're trying to get you in the right call – uh, for every given situation and, you know, the right coverage, the right blitz, the right safety rotation, all of those things. Um, I don't know. We just, you just got to learn it. I mean, the the onus, in my opinion, ends up going to the player. The player's just got to get it right. And I don't know. Yes, the coach has to learn how to make it make sense for the players and 
you know, it's a reflection of that coach if guys aren't getting it, but I don't know. I've I've never played in a scheme that isn't totally um manageable by any type of player that honestly wants to put time and and focus into learning what he's supposed to do. Uh the, the reply yeah. was <laughs> the person that asked, is this why we must constantly uh be simplifying our defense? Sean uh, followed up with a text that said, no, I meant because people can't tell if a stove is hot. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> um, you, you, I guess this is one of those situations where you just kind of hope that that plays itself out, right? right? You, there, there's a, the, the, the natural thinning of the herd, <laughs> right? This is what typically happens with that, I guess. So, yeah, that is a good point. Um, well, and my thing with with Venable's defense, you know, because because a lot of uh, you know a lot of people last year were saying, well, Brent's got this complicated defense, and we're so bad, you know, there there are defenses that are simple, like look at you know Alex Rich's defense has all these turnovers, this, that, and the other. My thing is, if you can do the complicated thing very well, then your ceiling is that much higher, and I think that's what matters is. Like, this defense that Venables is bringing in has an answer to everything. You just have to be able to get it all down and then execute it. So, I think long run, I, I mean, I think we've had known for 25 years now that Brent Venables' defense works. So, long run, I, I think I'm pretty comfortable with the complicated one. Yeah. I saw a question on there earlier that asked if I ever had a 15-yard um, a penalty. I had two – I've only had two penalties – um, my entire career at any level um one was a borderline late hit slash slam like kind of right at the whistle against UCLA um the other was I I uh I choked Tatum Bell at the bottom of a pile against Oklahoma State <laughs> And the only reason I did it is because I thought I was totally like, blocked off from where any of the officials could see what I was doing. And it wasn't for very long. It was quick. It was admittedly dirty. Probably, not probably, should not have done it. But, yeah, two times. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean – yeah, you heard it here first, kids. If the refs can't see you, go ahead and choke them out. And they called it on Lance Mitchell. They didn't even call it on me, but it was me. <laughs> you didn't run up to the ref afterwards and say, hey, look, man, that was on me, like that one commercial? No, I didn't care what the ref said. It was right there on the film uh, whenever we watched it, though. So <laughs> might as well fess up. The eye in the sky don't lie. <laughs> right? Oh, man. Yeah, that's uh... – no, that's that's some good good uh, life lessons that can be learned from that one. We've got we got a couple more uh, texts, like on the text line. Zane here from Tulsa says, if Venable starts telling us uh, he's putting his guys through a colander or through a colander, you know you have a fan. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, um, there's there's one texture from the nine seven two that is bent on telling us that Phil Pachotti's got some thick eyebrows. Okay. Four separate texts over the last, like, three hours about Phil Pachotti's eyebrows. I don't know. I don't know what that means. 
I don't is is that a is that a sign of something? Do do thick eyebrows have a me like is there some meaning behind that? I think maybe this person maybe had a bet with their friend that we can you can get Teddy get to, to talk, talk about Phil Pachotti's thick eyebrows. What are some of the best linebackers you remember with thick eyebrows? No. Yeah. Um, I see this one. Uh, how, do thick, how do Phil Pachotti's <laughs> thick eyebrows affect OU recruiting in this next cycle? <laughs> Teddy, can you briefly repeat what you spoke to earlier about the difference between BV's cheetah and nickel position? I came in late on the combo. Um, yeah. So – Essentially, how how it's done, and I know a lot of people uh, maybe know this, so um, I have to stay with us here for a little bit. You've got three linebacker positions. You've got the Mike linebacker, middle linebacker, Will linebacker, weak side linebacker, and Sam linebacker, strong side linebacker. Um, the Sam linebacker is the exact same position – it's the exact same player. All you've done is take out the Sam and put take out the linebacker person and put a defensive back in. And he is he's playing the nickel, but he's still playing the Sam linebacker. Does that make sense? You 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 have taken out the body, but the position is the exact same. Schematically, how you line up. How you how you adjust how you fit the run it is the same exact position. The Sam linebacker is the same exact position as the nickel. The cheetah is the same exact position as the nickel. Now, this is this is speaking in like your traditional defenses in the three three five three safety defenses. I'm not exactly sure what they call the nickel. Like so those those two things may it may not overlap as straightforward in that as it does everything else, but uh I'm pretty sure it's still the exact same there. Um and people can call all kinds of different things, different different names, you know, there's the hammer or the spur or the the jack position. I mean Guys have there's a bunch of different names for the position. It's all the same thing for the most part. People just have different names for it. So the Sam or the Nickel is the Cheetah. It's just a different name. It's all Sam linebacker. Always we'll going to be to the strong side. And in and in most college defenses now, the way they line up, it is it's always to the passing strength or the field. The Sam or the Cheetah will always be to the field whenever you're on a hash and to the passing strength whenever you're in the middle of the field. That's a that's a different from what it traditionally has been and what it is in the NFL where you set the front and set the defense uh, based on the tight ends. Is is how you call the defense, and and that's one of the things that's changed in, in college football, so you can get lined up quicker, and hopefully have to adjust less. But that's the difference, or the similarity, I guess, rather, to the cheetah and the nickel. It's the exact same position. But you know, Sam linebacker doesn't sound nearly as sexy as cheetah does. Well, that's that's a lot of it, you know. Um, whenever you go to a player. And you're recruiting him. 
and and this is a top priority position for you. Like Sam linebacker has like a negative connotation to it. Sam linebacker is the guy that plays on the line of scrimmage and comes out on third down. No one wants to be the Sam linebacker, right? Um, you know, it's it's not that sexy of a position, but uh, if you throw a a name on it like the Spur or the the Killer or the Cheetah or whatever you want to call it, then it brings back a little sexiness to it because it is, especially in this day and age, the pivotal the pivotal spot on the second level of a defense because you're asked to do so much. You're you're asked to blitz off the edge. You're asked to, at times, because of rotations, if they go trips into the boundary, you may be a deep third player. You may be playing safety. Or you may be playing corner by the way that people look at it. I mean, you're always playing cheetah, but the way people view it from the sideline, it looks like you're lined up as a, as a corner. Um, so it's, it's where people try to attack, right? They try and create some space there and use a, a slot guy against a bigger body. Or if you've got a smaller guy out there to try and cover, well, then let's run it right at him. Let's, let's force him through some shifts and motions to make him in the box where he's part of the run game. And we can run it right at him and, and have him try and hold the edge against an offensive tackle or a tight end. So it's a position that's often attacked. Now, if you've got a six foot four, two hundred and thirty-five pounder that runs four five, now all of a sudden you got to figure out a way to to not attack it to get the hell away from it, and it's not as easy. So, very very pivotal position on a defense. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Couple of segments left on a Friday. Keep hitting the text line six five one three four three nine. Rushes back. A couple of segments left here on a Friday. Let's keep hitting the text line. 651-3439 Air Comfort Solutions text line. Um, Cheetah all started by Superman Roy Williams. Yeah. 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 There's there's some truth to that. Roy was uh, – see, whenever you see nickel, the nickel position in – in the NFL is almost exclusively played by a corner, a guy that is is a corner, not a safety type. Uh, Roy in college was an exception to that because he was it was great because he was basically a Sam linebacker, right? You played him in space. Uh, he was a great blitzer. Um, you know, you could you could play nickel where you had an extra defensive back out on the field against any personnel grouping. That's what was so dangerous about it. Cause like, let's say right now, if, if Peyton Bowen was playing cheetah, right. You, if you're, if you're uh, another team, it's like, okay, well, let's go, let's go two tight ends. And if they stay in that same personnel, We'll just bring him into the box with motion and run right at him and have him, you know, take on blocks by a couple of big tight ends or pulling guard, and we'll just run right over the top of him. Well, whenever you've got a guy like Roy Williams playing that position, you can't do that. All right, well, let's spread him out. Well, he's going to chew up your your slot receiver because of how physical he plays. He's going to reroute the hell out of him, play zone coverage. Um, you know, tackle, 
blitz off the edge, force people to stay in and 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 keep protection in instead of getting five out. Yeah, it's dangerous to have a player like Roy there for sure. Right. They can be such a weapon, no doubt about it. The uh, uh, What's funny is we've got a text that says, when I was in high school in the 80s, Cheetah was called Monster. Yeah. Well, I think I thought the monster was um, the monster back typically was or it used to be the. Does everyone remember the 46 defense, right? The bear defense. So they called it the 46 because the safety that came down in the box was number 46, I believe, is how it got the number or the name. So a lot of people started just running that defense all the time, and the guy that came down was usually called the monster back because he's he's technically a safety, but he's coming down to play in the box in in the bear defense, and a lot of people started calling that the monster back. So anytime you had a safety that ended up playing, well, I guess what you would air quotes call a linebacker-type position, they call him the monster back. So, yeah. So – what, what I think, uh, you know, we talked about how the cheetah is a sexier name that can be used for recruiting. Yeah. Well, what if we just uh, – what if we rename, you know, I think Edge is fine, but I think you could rename a ton of the, the positions to make them sound sexier. Like interior defensive line, can we switch that up at all? Um, can we switch cornered or something? You know, you could have – you could really do whatever you want, you know, uh, and 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 it's sexify it up a little bit. Okay. Well, what, throw out some. Uh, what are you going to call an interior defensive lineman? Like, if you've got a guy that is going to play the three technique, what are you going to call him? Like, what's oh, the position? Say, um, anchor. You could say it's got to be something big. No, you don't want anchor, tough, right? No one wants to be the anchor, right? They want to be the guy that's going to get the sack. Okay. What if you call it the juggernaut? Yeah. I okay. Like that. The juggernaut is uh, is the three tech. I like that. I, hey, I'm, I'm down for uh, for branding any position, anything that that guys get excited about. Well, there you go. We've 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 fixed it. I'll, I'll get uh, I'll get uh, some folks on the phone. We'll get all that switched up. Expect the number one class in 2024. I did see someone text earlier asking, you know, because I had mentioned. Deshaun McCullough perhaps, you know, trying to find some ways to get him to rush the passer. And and the question I think was like what position would would he be playing uh if he was gonna be a guy that rushed the passer? Just defensive end? Edge. Like so typically how it's done is uh if you have a if you have a third down package, you've got like a Let's just say it's a traditional four down front um, and it's third and long and you're just going to play coverage and let your four-man rush go to work. But you want McCullough to come from Cheetah to play one of the edge positions. And let's say Downs was playing end and you want him to slide down and play the three technique. Well, then you just name that rush package something. Um, like I remember – not too long ago, they had the NASCAR package here. Uh, was that when? Was that when? 
Oboe was here, or maybe Stryker. Anyways, Stryker, I think it was. You got like you got like three what would typically be like defensive end guys out there, and one D lineman. But it's still a four man rush. But so everyone knows what package you're in. You just you name it something like they named it NASCAR, and there's going to be a symbol on the side like like you're either you're like you're strapping in a seatbelt. You're going to drive the NASCAR, and whenever you do that, that means. Someone's going to nickel or cheetah, right? A defensive lineman is coming out. McCullough's going to play defensive end. Maybe Reggie Pearson, who typically plays safety, is going to come down. He's going to play the cheetah and uh, Justin Herring or whatever. Another safety comes in and, and takes over that safety spot. Like, however they fill those roles, that's typically how something like that would work. It's just. You, you call it a package. There's there's another package. You give it a name. And whenever you call for that, everyone goes to what are the same positions. You just have new guys playing them. Yeah, we've got one, we've got one question here that I haven't heard much about. But do you think – give us – I'm not sure if he can start maybe, but what are you hearing about Shane Witter as we continue to get uh, <laughs> recommendations uh, for the Ed's position to be called Razor? you got Bull Rusher, Silverback, Rhino – slasher i'm telling you i like starting, ryan i like rhino for the three technique it's That's starting to sound good. like some american gladiators uh rehearsals in here <laughs> diamond and uh <laughs> oh gosh that's ice that was great <laughs> i used to love that show oh it was awesome um uh shane witter yeah 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 shane witter well venable said that he's not cleared right now uh he is going through workouts will be cleared at least he said he will be cleared for spring ball by the time they're they're gearing up for that. I think he's coming back from his shoulder. So um I think I think Witter's got a lot of upside and he's gonna add some depth. I think he's gonna be playing Will behind Stutzman. And, you know, there's gonna be a battle there between between multiple guys for that backup spot. And, you know, I wouldn't even necessarily like I think Stutzman's going to be back, and I think he's going to have a hell of a season. But, you know, every position is up for grabs. They're going to put the best guys out there. I don't think that there's anyone on this team up to this point that has played so well that they've totally locked themselves in to a position. I don't think that's the case. But I I fully expect Stutzman to, to win that out. But I think that's where Witter's going to be playing. He offers a lot. He's got good size. He can absolutely fly straight line. Now, one of the things that's been an issue for him is uh, overrunning things, learning how to come under under balance and under control and playing a little bit more measured and, and obviously just kind of overall knowledge. And still, he's been here for a while, but still lacking as far as on-field experience. But I think he could be uh, uh, add some good depth there. All right, quick timeout. we got the final segment coming up next. Stay with us. Rush is back. Final segment. Teddy Lehman here. Travis Davidson from T-Town. Pierce with me here in studio. It's been fun, gentlemen. It's been good. Uh, what's the update on baseball, Pierce? Oklahoma wins. Oh, nice. 5-2. to two. Just ended. 5-2. Season opener over Cal Baptist. Good stuff. Um, needed. And uh, what do we got over the, We got the OU men's hoops at Texas. Tomorrow, one o'clock tip. How do we feel about that one, boys? Going into the uh, the number six Texas Longhorns. Hey, you know, I, I I'm thinking 
We've seen a new team. It was only one game, but we saw a new team now that Porter Moser shut down the Notre Dame rumors, you know. Uh, that that can have some effect on the morale of the team if you think your coach is uh, headed out the door, uh, you know. And, and with him saying, hey, look, I'm locked in right here. I'm bought into the culture, this, that, and the other. And then they go and beat the number 12 team in the country. I don't know. Hey, crazier things have happened, right? Yeah, there have been some crazier things happen. Now, uh, I don't know if there's a point spread on that game yet or not. If by some way you were able to go and pull off that win on the road against right now, standings-wise, are they – I know they're the highest-ranked team in the conference right now. Are they number one in the standings too? Um, if you were able to go pull off – a win on the road against either the top or, um, you know, tied for top team in the Big 12, number six, Texas, that would be huge. And who knows what that may spark. Um, Kansas State's been slipping a little bit. You put it on them here in uh, in the Lloyd Noble, but it's going to be totally different situation against Texas. But like you said, crazier things happen. And if they were able to pull off that win, all of a sudden – we're back to realistically talking about is this team going to make the uh, the postseason? Well, and that's and that's really what this was all about, right? Like when you looked at the last eight games on their schedule, and seven of them were against ranked teams. That's opportunity, man. I mean, yeah, it's a gauntlet, but it's opportunity to get some of the best wins that any of the remaining bubble teams have an opportunity to get. You know, there are some bubble teams that don't have a ranked team left on their schedule. they got to go win the uh, the conference tournament, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, that's it for us. was fun. Uh, awesome catching up with both of you guys. Everyone have a fun weekend. You killed it on the text line, as always. You guys drive the show. We're just along for the ride. Let's go have an ice-cold Pacifico or 10 to celebrate.